This is your girl, Sada Star, coming to you with another episode of A Day in the Life of the Alpha Woman, the official podcast of the Easy Breezy Life Community. Before I jump into today's topic, if this is your first time joining us, the Easy Breezy Life is a community of strong-willed women who understand that it can be so challenging to manage faith, family, life, and pursue our goals. Well, here at the Easy Breezy Life, you're going to find a community of like-minded women who are just as fierce, focused, and fired up as you are. It's also important that I let you know that everything we share on this platform is for education and entertainment purposes only. Because we believe that the Easy Breezy Life is a group project, we want you to seek out professional help in every way, shape, or form that you might need it. We are going to take a brief break, and we'll be back with this week's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Monday here at the Easy Breezy Life. Before we jump into today's topic, I want to um, address something that is happening and brewing in the international community because we are an international community. And um, as much as I have tried to temper or manage uh, the amount of time I give to reading news headlines and watching news, um, the more and more that you... Uh, look around, it is becoming increasingly difficult to ignore what is happening in Ukraine right now. Um, I just want to send uh, a prayer uh, to anyone who is being directly impacted at the moment and just a hope that this quickly resolves. As history tells us, um, when you see a superpower, whether positive or negative, choose to pick on or um, invade, we're going to put that word in quotations, uh, the small guy, it is hardly a war, uh, but rather it is a moment in history where the international community is going to be defined by how we respond in this very moment. And while I certainly understand that there is this expression, you don't want to poke the bear, Um, that we really need to be wise, and that's also biblically before we kind of step into wars and battles. It is becoming very difficult to watch homes, communities, people struggle um, to fight back against an enemy that we know on the ground they cannot beat. And so I don't know what comes next for all of us. I don't know what comes next for the people of Ukraine, but my prayers go out to you, and I want to encourage you to support any effort of relief um, or any effort to mobilize in Ukraine. And I'm actually going to submit a few of those links in the episode notes this week. So if you're not really sure of what's going on, you're seeing it, you're not getting what it is, it can be very overwhelming. We we don't know all the facts, right? Um, I'm just going to give you a few tidbits, a few articles to help you skim and get a, a major sense of what has happened thus far, what is the international doing to international community doing to intervene, and what can you do as a little person, right, or as one individual um, to move the needle or to support the people who we can't physically reach at this moment, okay? This being said, let's get into our topic for the week, which is pardon my dusty feet, Oh, dusty feet is a very interesting concept, right? For me, when I think of dusty feet, the first thing I'm thinking about 
is growing up in Democratic Republic of Congo, at least before um, migrating to the United States and remembering how many pictures I saw of myself playing outside barefooted with dusty feet. Um, But those are not the kind of dusty or ashy feet we are talking about today. Today we are talking about the kind of dusty feet um, that you need to have when you find that you are wasting your oil in a setting, in a location, in a relationship, or anywhere you find yourself. Um, I have come to this realization pretty early because I think one of the areas where I maybe had a shortcoming is overpouring myself in every environment or relationship that I found myself in. So if I was someone's friend, I was like their best friend, wanted to really show up for them, um, could burn myself out just to be present because I felt like that's what friendship should be. If I joined an organization, I gave my all to that organization. If I was in a workplace, I gave everything. But how many of us know that you really don't have 100% to give everywhere? It's not possible. There's only one of you. And yes, God is all seeing, all knowing. You are not. Um, You cannot be all present, Uh, which means that to give 100% in one location means you are pulling from somewhere else. And I've said this before and will continue to say it. The Bible has a scripture that says a wise woman builds her home. And I've really had to learn that anything that I'm building externally that will sacrifice the peace, the sanctity of my home. And when my when I say my home, let's start internally first. Let's talk about my home being the physical body that I live in, my mental health, my physical health, right? Because if you're not good, you can't make anything around you good. And then my home going to my husband and my child and then my home being my siblings and um, then extending to my extended family and um, asking God for the wisdom to really prioritize my home, the body that I live in, the mind that I have to use to function, as well as prioritizing my family. And I think in learning to put things first things first, which is one of the priorities that we kind of outline in the Easy Breezy Journal, in case you haven't gotten it, it's on sale on Amazon. Um, is understanding that as you go out to be great in the world and be a good success, we must keep first things first in sight at all times and refocus ourselves. And the practice of writing those down is because if you write it down and make it plain, even if you don't go back and look at it, your feet will move in a way, or at least I believe, will move in a way that honors us prioritizing um, our homes, right, ourselves, our loved ones, our family members, before we go out to do great work. This being said, the way that I have started to manage my energy in other spaces is to really look at the value I'm adding in that space. Um, if that value is being appreciated and recognized, and if it is not being recognized as God called me to serve in a place, even without the recognition for a season, because he has a greater plan that he wants to roll out in that space. And I'm just a small part of that plan. Um, or is it time to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, right? Um, and so this is a conversation about knowing when to hold and when to fold, Uh, Because you cannot give everybody your 100% energy. And the last thing I want you to do is waste your oil. And when we look at Mark chapter 6 verse 11 in the Bible, even Jesus is telling his disciples that at a certain point, there is a level where you just got to wash your hands and shake the dust off your feet. So today I'm going to be talking about really four arenas. Well, three and, and, and the third and fourth are come in the scope of relationships. Um that 
we need to be mindful of where we might be wasting our oil, over pouring, or, or giving in a space where um, your blessings, your gifts, or who you are as a person is not received. But maybe people will just want to keep like a little part of you um, so they can feel like they have access to you. Um, as women of influence as we are in this community, you should probably know that there are many people in your life who are not engaging with you because you are awesome. Rather, they're engaging with you because you represent a certain level of clout, of success, of notoriety, so on and so forth. Therefore, you have to be very careful about who you allow in your space and how you vet. And anyone who is a person of influence who has had to work and script to get where they are is going to be mindful about how they manage their relationships and who they allow to have access to them. Now, this is an area that I did a very poor job of before my son, but let me tell you, nothing like a storm to teach you who be, who belongs and deserves access to the intimate parts of your life and who really needs to be surface level um, associates, right? Or seriously, I was going to rephrase that, but I'm going to leave it just like that. Some people got to be surface level associates. And, and that's okay. And I say surface level associates because you don't want to go out and make enemies. You also can't make everyone become your friend, right? And the Bible teaches us so that so far as it be with us to walk and be in peace with all men. So sometimes be at peace with all men is surface level association. Um, and, and yes, for some of us, if you like me, surface level association feels fake because I either want to ride with you or I'm not. Uh, but the truth of the matter is that the Lord is teaching me that for the assignment and the scope of the assignment on my life, I can't kind of have that attitude. I'm going to have to have some surface level associations with people who may not be for me, but maybe for an assignment for a particular season, for a particular time and place, right? And so keep in mind that when you are not living for you, but you're living for purpose, you don't always get to choose who the partners in purpose are. I don't get to choose... Um, believe it or not, every person who's affiliated with the easy breezy life, because sometimes the purpose of their affiliation is to be a blessing to another woman, not to me. And so to honor the vision of the easy breezy life, to honor the the people who God has called this ministry or whatever it is that we hear we're doing to reach, I'm going to have to learn to really, really love some people and play other people not so close, but understand that God still has a purpose for them that is associated with the women we are reaching in this community. You get? All right. This being said, let's get into it. When and why I shake the dust off my feet. The first place that I've learned to shake the dust off of my feet is in unequally yoked friendships. Um... Friendships where we don't share the same core values, friendships where we don't value each other and honesty and authenticity um, and in the way that I think biblical friendship should look, right? The Bible says that um, there are friends who stay closer than a brother and you know who your friends are based on times of adversity, not really the times of peace and celebration and good tidings. This being said, you know, I've had to make very difficult choices along the way of distancing myself from friends and people who I love sincerely, but I saw may be a hindrance in me becoming who God has asked me to be. And I have to qualify that because 
I love people who represent my comfort zone. I love women who think like me. I love women who got sauce like me. And, you know, I also know that God is like, you can't bring this sauce for the next level. So um, I need you to surround yourself with people who are going to cultivate the character that you need to sustain where I'm taking you. So that's different. Um, And my prayer is always that what I want would become in alignment with what God wants, that the way I see things will fall in alignment with how God sees things, that how I hear, perceive, and understand will will begin to look like the way Jesus would do it right? Because that's the life I've chosen. Everyone doesn't choose that life. And so if you choose to partner yourself and you know that's your mindset and you partnering yourself to be best friends with somebody who's like, YOLO, we only live once, um, that probably is not going to be a fruitful friendship. It probably is going to pull you away further from your destiny than it is to pull you near. And so when we are choosing our friendships and we're deciding if whether or not We need to have surface level association, right? That's what I mean when I say dusty feet. Surface level association with someone. We really need to ask ourselves, are we both defining success and purpose and and accomplishment and just who we are in the same vein and definition? What are our 10-year goals? Um, Can we walk together truly if we don't agree? This concept of being unequally yoked, if you look up and Google the image of two yoked oxen, you will see that typically two yoked oxen are about the same size, same kind of strength, and they're standing side by side with this contraption joining them together as they go to plow, right? So that means that two oxen that are yoked together are walking together in purpose. And I know those of us who are animal rights activists listening, you probably have beef with that. I totally get it. But for the purpose of illustrating this point, I want to say that if you look at this image of two yoked oxen, you're going to look, you're going to notice that they're of similar stature, similar size, and no matter what, they're moving in the same direction to plow the same land. Being unequally yoked is like you putting on a yoke with somebody who is either way bigger, way smaller, walking in a different direction. Um, uh, you know, maybe they're blind. You know, I'm not saying that blind doesn't mean you don't have any direction. But what I'm saying is that if you're spiritually blind and and you're yoked with someone who is maybe more aware, that's probably not an equally yoked relationship, right? So we're not talking about physical blindness. I'm talking about our understanding of Christ uh, because this is a Christian platform. So therefore, if I'm going to yoke my myself with someone. Um, The person doesn't need to be my identical twin, but needs to be my equal, at least when it comes to the things of God, our understanding, our perception of the things of God, the direction that we want our lives to move in, how we feel about raising our children, the value we want our children to have, um, how church involvement, tithing, prayer, how the way we conduct ourselves at work, right? Is worship just for Sunday or is my worship for real Monday through Saturday as well? Um, How I conduct my business affairs. I don't want to yoke myself in business with somebody who believes in skimping their clients or lying to their clients about money, right? So these are the kinds of things that we think about when we think about 
being yoked or unequally yoked in friendships. And those are the decisions that I, or I guess the indicators that I've had to use um, to make difficult choices, regardless of feelings, rather to be joined or separated from someone. Um, You must be equally yoked in your friendships if you want to live the easy breezy life, sis, right? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. This ain't my life you live in. It's the easy breezy life. And so that is the first area that we need to examine, right, as women of influence, as women in leadership, women in business, um, women who have been entrusted with great power or money or whatever it is, position. Who am I yoked to, if at all? The next thing to think about is institutions. How closely you align and yoke yourself to an institution. Um, one of my core values is belief and harmony, which is really great when I believe in something, which becomes very challenging for me if I should find myself in an environment where I don't fully um, believe in what what the institution stands for or that the institution is living up to what it said it would be. And I say that particularly as it relates to the nonprofit sector, because I think in the business sector, those bi- those businesses have said what they're going to be about. Um, you know, if I'm selling you gas, I'm about this gas. I'm not about giving you free gas. Um, I'm not about giving uh, uh, fruit to the community. I'm about this gas money. And so you're not going to go to the gas station expecting them to be something different, right? You're not going to go to a for-profit business. You're not going to go to T-Mobile and think they're talking about selling you um, get uh, self-help books. They're selling phones. Um, the job of T-Mobile is to make money with phones. That is a given. Um, then when it comes to places like hospitals, schools, um, churches, and agencies or that are meant to support people, I think for me, this is where I've had um, the biggest challenge, right? Um, you find yourself volunteering in a role or in a position and all of a sudden that relationship becomes exploitative or the, the institution is saying, you know, we want um, equity for everyone. We want everyone to feel supported. It doesn't reflect in the immediate people, the people who work for them. Now, right, as I mentioned to you earlier, a wise woman builds her home. If that institution will be called a woman, Right. If we had to, if we had to place a gender on it, um, then we would say that the building of that house meant that the people who were first tied to it, right, the people who were working in that space, would be honored first before the external was honored, which is very difficult to do in a capitalist society because I think America, by design, has not been. Um, built to support the little guy. It has been built to support industry, built to, to support the bottom line. And so when you want to deviate away from that, there is a cost uh, that is that makes you a contrarian to general society. And so I get why it's a difficult thing to do. I also get why it's not always possible, um, why cultural shifts are very challenging. And a lot of what we experience with institutions, particularly in the United States, are linked to the foundation of the country, right? I know that was a lot um, for those of us who may not be <laughs> in academia, but I think you get where I'm going. And so for me, I've really come to a place and said, like, you know, what is my appropriate? What is appropriate hand washing, right? I can't just completely wash my hands of the school system because my baby got to go to the school. I can't completely wash my hands of hospitals because my baby needs doctors at the moment. We trust God for healing, but he needs these doctors at the moment. But what is a 
appropriate distance or surface level relationship with any institution that I find myself giving my time or having to engage in when I feel as though that institution um, is not necessarily delivering to me what I think I'm investing in it. And this is where, you know, accountability and speaking up and finding ways to do so um, is so important. And for me, um, I think I have learned that people, places, institutions will not just come to an awareness of what is right. It really is incumbent upon those of us who are closely associated to say, hey, did you notice X, Y, Z? Um, that is how change happens. That is what makes us change agent. You got to speak up, right? Um, do I always speak up in a way that's like friendly and nice? No. Um, do I also feel like it's my burden to be friendly and nice? Absolutely not. Um, I think it is very interesting, especially for historically marginalized communities um, from which I come, that the burden to address an issue and do it in the nicest and kindest way possible falls on the people who are being victimized. It's just, I just don't get it um, because no one gets to a rolling boil, right? It starts off as a, as warmth, turns into a simmer, gets into a boil and then at some point it's just hot. And so um, I want to also encourage you as you think about how you wash your hands or shake the dust off your feet in this arena to understand that you don't owe people good feelings. Right? When you have been mistreated, when you feel you have been exploited, you don't owe them good feelings. And you will see in Jesus' stories and how he walked his life um, is that he also didn't feel like he owed people good feelings. And it's so important for us to know this because Jesus is always used to like exploit Christian women in particular. Like people will use, what would Jesus do over and over again forgetting that he was not a doormat? Forgetting that Jesus wasn't kikiing with everyone. Forgetting that Jesus is the same Jesus who sat down and whatever whatever he wrote in the sand made every adversary of the woman who was about to be stoned click their heels and get the moving. Surely he was not inscribing a heart or I love you in that sand. Whatever Jesus communicated to them was enough to make them say, I ain't got time for you and I ain't got time for her. So we could probably assume that um, even Jesus in the way that he walked had limits and boundaries and certain people and places and institutions where he had felt like he had to call in or call out. Okay, so you don't have to feel insecure about that. The next areas that I want to talk about are mentor and mentoring relationships, mentee and mentoring relationships. And and the first place you want to take the dust off your feet is a predatory mentoring relationship. Predatory mentoring relationship is where the person is getting a significant benefit out of having you as a mentee. So much so that it now begins to hinder your growth um, because they wouldn't want you, as they say in Nigerian culture, to grow wings beyond where they are, beyond where they can utilize you, beyond where they can benefit from your light. Um, For me, healthy mentoring relationships should give people access and doors to become the highest version of themselves, recognizing that the highest version of themselves might not be with me, um, but that I should be setting that person up up and wishing them well to become whatever that highest version of themselves is. And one of the ways that we do that directly with the Easy Breezy Life is 
a lot of people pass through the easy breezy life. They're with us for a little moment and then they go and launch something amazing and they have to move on. It's happened with several contributors. It's happened um, with our beautiful Deirdre, who is now launching her virtual assistance services, um, which I'll be sharing in our newsletters and on social media this month. But, you know, as I think a healthy partner in destiny, I should want what is best for that person even if what is best for that person is not being with me. And that is really difficult to understand. It's easy to understand when we have adversarial relationships. I think it gets very challenging when we really love people and we want to keep them close. Um, But I am learning to honor um, who people are becoming, who I am becoming, if it means separating myself from a mentor or a mentee um, because the relationship has now either run its course or um, the relationship is keeping the person from becoming who God wants them to be, right? So we can't be selfish in the way that we interpret our relationships. And when you find that someone is being selfish in ascribing value to you and allowing you to evolve, um, whether that be a mentor or you find that a mentee wants to be like a take, 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 but doesn't want to be corrected, Um, That means that either the relationship has run its course or this person cannot see you the way God sees you. And you might have to loosely just wash your hands, shake the dust off your feet, um, find a way to walk away in peace. Okay, that wraps up the conversation for today. We could go on and on and on, but I think it's enough for us to meditate, think and reflect on um, the relationships that we have in our friendships with mentors and with institutions and honoring when the seasons shift and knowing when your oil is just doesn't belong in a particular place. All right. I love you. God bless you. And I'll see you next week for a day in the life of the alpha woman.